<coughs> Podcast Network Asia. Hi, this is Michael Waits, and welcome back to the Asia Tech Podcast, on which we discuss all things Asia and all things tech. This should be a really special episode, I believe. Today, I am joined by Rosalind Quek, GM Modern Workplace at Microsoft Asia. Rosalind, it's great to have you on the show. How are you doing today? Hey, hi, Michael. I'm doing great today, and thanks for uh, spending time with me. How are you? I am super, and it's my pleasure to be here. I know you're super busy, so I'm really glad you've allocated some time for this. I really appreciate it. And before we kind of jump into the main topics, our listeners would love to get a little bit of your background for context. Ah, oh, sure, sure, Michael. Happy to. Well, Roslyn, or you can call me Ros, as most of my friends and colleagues do. Awesome. I'm born and bred in Singapore, so most of my growing up in a convent school. Some of you might be able to relate to that. <laughs> and then I finally graduated from the National University of Singapore, where I doubled in chemistry. Very, very geeky stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how I stumbled on that. But, well, I, I come from a family of mixed heritage with Peranakan roots. And as some of you might know, this is more of a matriarchal kind of approach to the family upbringing. So my mother has a very deep influence on me. She believes that with hard work and discipline, one can achieve lots of material success, but guided with the right heart and intentions, one can contribute much to the success of others. And so I try. <laughs> well, the year I graduated collided with the Asia financial crisis, and as well as a very bad bout of chicken pox. So you can understand how lucky I felt when I landed my first job as a receptionist in a technology company. Wow. Yeah, so I stumbled and fell deeply into IT, moving over time onto the business side. And actually, I worked several years in partners of Microsoft and finally ended up working for Microsoft. And in fact, just last month, I made my 15 years in Microsoft. Congratulations. Thank you. And I have been so fortunate, though, throughout this period, I had the opportunity to take on several leadership roles in business development, in turning around businesses and executing growth strategies both in emerging and developed markets. And in fact, some of that 15 years I spent working out of Vietnam, and, but now I'm currently based in Singapore. So I, I do envy Michael, you living in Thailand. I miss a little bit of that emerging market spirit and atmosphere. Yeah, it's an interesting place to be, right, in a developing country. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and I, I lead the Monowork Business for Asia that spans across what I would affectionately like to call the cricket countries. So you have <laughs> Australia, New Zealand, India, and I also cover Japan, Korea, Southeast Asia, and Greater China region. And as a team, we are focused on helping organizations and people basically everyone to leverage technology to collaborate and communicate effectively. Well, in today's context, basically get more out of each day in the hybrid work environment we live in today. Well, there are two other focus areas that we care deeply about. Tell me. One is how we enable a more secure digital world where we have seen an uptick in cyber attacks in recent times. The second is on the human side. How do we enable a more inclusive culture, support a more sustainable work-life integration where we see people are suffering from longer work hours today? So, you know, Michael, the mission of Microsoft really speaks to me to empower every person and every organization to achieve more. And I 
truly feel that modern work, which is the business I run today, is a center at the center of this mission. It sure is. Yeah, and so I'm really happy and, and glad to be in a position to do what I do today and hopefully uh, live up to a little bit of what my mother expects of me. I think we'll definitely weave that in, right? I think it's really important, this idea of a matriarchal society. And also, you're doing things that a lot of women haven't done historically. So I think that that's fascinating as well. And I want to talk about this in depth, right? The year 2020, as you mentioned, was one really like no other. And I think it had a really profound impact on the way people work globally. But, you know, people are starting to get vaccinated now. And as we slowly begin, mm-hmm. hopefully, to kind of ease out of these pandemic-induced lockdowns, I want to dig deeper with you into the next great disruption. And you've already mentioned it, hybrid work. Maybe you can start with a definition of what hybrid work is and then why you think it's here to stay. It's definitely a great disruption, right? We have seen businesses' lives. In fact, every aspect of things around us has undergone rapid transformation and continues to impact every person and every organization across the world. I think what the pandemic has kind of push and brought forward as most of us moved into remote work settings is that basically all the traditional work barriers have been broken through, right? The way that we used to work have changed fundamentally. And as you call out, some countries have eased out of lockdowns. Well, unfortunately, some regions have seen new waves of infections. So we will see people returning to office at different stages. And as we speak and interact more with customers and partners, we are also seeing that business leaders are now resonating, accepting, and thinking more about how to make hybrid work and how to find the best homework balance for their employees and in fact, for themselves. Right. So surely I think hybrid work is here to stay and we need to practice some extreme flexibility and agility. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I mean, according to a report that your teams have published, over 75% of workers in Asia expect flexible work to stay. And employee expectations about what that work is actually going to look like have actually evolved. Can you explain what these new expectations are and does it go both ways? And by that, I mean... Do you think management expectations have changed along with their staff expectations, if that makes sense? Yes, that makes sense. It's actually a topic that's always top of my mind, right? Because as we know how we used to lead teams, how we used to run businesses, and now that's changed. And so it's not surprising when the report came out that says that 74% of workers in Asia are signaling the expectation for more flexible work. I think we, all of us, have learned over the past period that we are no longer bounded by traditional notions of space or place and time. Right. And yeah, and we do all need to examine the existing business models to address this new reality. And also with that, all its new challenges that may or may not be familiar to all of us. So what we are seeing, although with this change has benefited employees as well to some extent because today right they are expecting flexible work which can create more new job opportunities we've also seen and it has been reflected in my team where clearly we are able to spend more time at home so being a global team that travels quite a lot across asia we used to live in planes and sleep in hotels right and right now we get time with family which is a good aspect of this uh hybrid work transformation, right? And what presents also, as I speak, and we do a lot of career discussions with our team members, and and that's also reflected in some of the business leaders I speak to in our customers that 
many of their employees are now considering whether they could move to a new location because technically you can work remotely from anywhere. Actually, in fact, talking about this just in December, we supported a team member in my, from my Japan team to move to Singapore because his family have always desired to have their children pursue their education here. And after considering it, I was like, hey, it's totally fine because he can still connect Japan. And in fact, right now being here, he has a lot more exposure across Asia. And I think in time to come, he would be able to help me to do more across the regions as well and help others to understand more about Japan, right? So I guess that's kind of like where it goes two ways. Well, the challenges I see though, Michael, is that the flexible work has its um, downsides too, right? We find that teams are becoming more siloed and this digital exhaustion has really become an unsustainable threat, right? Our reports did show that people are spending 2.5 times more of their day in meetings than the year before and having more chats after hours. And all these barrage of communications are quite unstructured, they're ad hoc, they're unplanned for. So in fact, I think 62% of the team's calls we see are conducted after hours or conducted unscheduled. So that has been taken a toll on the employees, right? In fact, the team that I belong to, we use what is called Microsoft Workplace Analytics to seek to understand the impact of this, especially being based in Asia. We have to do a lot of calls. Like for myself, right, my team, we have a time zone span of five and a half hours between Australia to India. Right. Right. And then having to work with the global team in that are actually across Boston to, to Seattle, right? So that means that we actually ended up working longer hours. That was my gut feel. But when the analytics report showed that it was true that the people in Asia are working even longer hours compared to our global counterparts. And with that, I had to, with my leadership, really help my team to prioritize, right? So those are some of the benefits as well as challenges that we get out of this flexible way of work in the upcoming future. Yeah, I want to cover this as well. So a lot of my corporate life was marked by sort of serendipitous meetings in the office, right? Which met with people in different departments. I'm talking about walking around a trading floor at Goldman Sachs or at Morgan Stanley. And mm -hmm. a lot of it, when I went to talk to the guys and gals in fixed income or in operations or in any other part of the business, it kind of helped us come up with new ideas, things we hadn't considered and things that they hadn't considered. You talked about this a little bit, but according to the report, right, 33% of workers experience decreased interactions with their colleagues, even if they are, may or may not be working longer hours. Are these networks that we build internally, which I think are super important, are they getting smaller? And what is the impact on people getting used to collaborating remotely as opposed to sort of serendipitously, if that makes sense? It does make sense. Actually, Asia, I mean, you know this, Michael, you've been living here for 30-ish years as, yeah. I, as I checked your profile. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, basically, in Asia, it's a very high context, uh, you could say society, very. where people tend to really build trust through connecting physically, to connecting through informal settings that then helps them to do better at work where you can really draw the rapid speed of trust to get things done, right? And I think in Asia, that's super important. And I personally have seen that with that, I need to actually, funny enough, spend more time one-on-ones with the people who do not report directly to me right. in order to get a better sense of like what's going on, right? So as we went home to work, right, as all of us moved back to home to work during this early days of remote work, what we've noticed is that the connections to our close network has increased. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, like like uh, Michael, as I mentioned, I started to connect more with the people I know. But the connections to our more distant networks have actually diminished. Right. Right. So because, you know, like you mentioned, we don't bump into people in the office. We don't have that, hey, let's go for a coffee and things like that. So our right. networks are shrinking. And that's, that can impact innovation and creativity and collaboration and to some extent also a sense of engagement of the employees to the organization, right? So the effects can be rather astonishing. Like when you lose connections, you just lose the ability to innovate effectively. And sometimes, right, maybe in fact, more than ever before, we have new problems to solve, new challenges we need to take on, things that we are not familiar with because of this hybrid work. And there is no better than to get broad networks, have more brain huddles in order to solve new and big problems. And then while on the other side, because of hybrid work, we are losing, these networks are shrinking and and that has an impact, right? And, And we all know that being able to innovate, to be able to collaborate well, it's very crucial to the growth and success of a business in the long run. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you hear the same thing from your clients as well as your internals? Oh, certainly. In fact, what we saw in some of the countries in Asia as well as we looked into internal, right? When our lockdown eased in New Zealand, as you have seen, right. we saw that the team isolation, which really is measured by interactions with our weak ties, have improved. And we also saw the trend in countries like South. And with customers, actually, interestingly, we are helping customers to overcome this. Actually, we, we've heard many of our customers tell us that, hey, Ross, you know, we do struggle with this because it seems like people are talking more to the same group of people, but not they're losing ties with others across the, the organization. Right. And most of our customers are working pretty much similar to Microsoft, which is really a metric organization. So in fact, we have helped uh, some of our customers overcome this by building what we call a cutting edge solution called a water cooler bot. Right. <laughs> so if I just make it like very basic, okay, I just uh, let me illustrate this for you. It's like we use Microsoft Workplace Analytics and that can identify, that helps to identify past individuals. Say you and me, Michael, if right. say after today we stop connecting, the bot can pick out that our network strength needs to be fixed. Right. So it can then be picked up by Microsoft Teams and prompt me, Ross, to send you a 15 minute online coffee chat with you, Michael, and say, hey, let's reconnect. And you know, the Teams bot can be smart to identify a common time with our calendars, assuming you share your calendar with me. And of course, Michael, you can always recheck my coffee chat. But the point I'm trying to make is that, you know, it can proactively remind me that you and I need to connect. This is neat though, right? Because it's technology trying to simulate the physical world. In the real world, right? That bot actually exists. You're walking down the hallway. I'm on the seventh floor. I come up to the eighth floor, not to see you, but to see somebody else. And then I see you and I'm like, oh, shucks. I haven't spoken to Ross in like three months. And as I walk by you, I say, we should have a coffee. And you say, definitely. And if I get back to my desk and remember and send you that invitation, we do it, right? That's what you're trying to simulate, no? Yes, exactly. Spot on, Michael. In fact, you know what? With this water cooler bot, there is a lower chance of us forgetting to do it after we say it, right? And the interesting part is that the bot can make a recommendation each week if you so like it to be, right? So that you can almost like outsource your network connections. I love this. Go ahead. To this water cooler bot, (laughs) right? So, so, I mean, this is kind of like what we're helping with our customers. and, And, you know, the feedback the customers have said to us is that, look, we feel like with this whole hybrid work, employees are telling us that 
they need more help in getting connected. They also saw a dip in the sense of belonging in the organization, the ability to what you just called out earlier to have what I would rephrase as like unstructured learning as we share one another's experience on how we solve problems. And basically that helps to build that foundation to an innovative organization that most business leaders crave for today. Yeah. I want to get back to this idea that you talked about with one of your Japanese colleagues saying to you, I want to come mm -hmm. to Singapore. Obviously, there were personal reasons for it, right? They want their kids to go to school in Singapore. Maybe it's UWC, maybe it's something like that. I always thought, and let me just frame this for a second. I always thought that business trips when I was at Goldman Sachs were kind of multifaceted. I needed to go to London and to New York, not just to see clients, which was very important, but also to make sure that I understood the work environment in those places so that I could then better serve them when I was back in Tokyo and that they could get an understanding of me as well. And when they came to Japan, they could see like Japanese people aren't like ABC. They actually have these kind of work ethics and then they could understand the context. So the fact that you're letting, not letting is the wrong word, but because of hybrid work, the remote connections are great, right? We can be on Teams forever and have this conversation, but that face-to-face -face then and sitting inside of a different culture every day changes the way you think about that culture and that hybrid part of it helps with that. Is, is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. That is um, actually super, super relevant today, right? So the point mm. that you made. And the thing that we are seeing with our employees is not just about providing that opportunity to be able to work off different places. And like you mentioned, right, when you're immersed in that environment day in, day out, you learn many aspects, not just about the business, not, sure. but also about how to engage with people from a different culture. And you get to, in person, be able to see some of those social cues, body language, which sitting in front of screens, that has gone away. Yeah. And again... If we agree that hybrid work is, and by definition remote work is not going away, which I think most people can agree, can you talk a little bit more about how it has fundamentally changed the talent landscape in the sense that, again, if that employee can go from Japan to Singapore, what is the idea now about what an office should actually look like and provide? I would term it as, you know, how do we democratize the opportunity for employment as well as how leaders should be looking at talent, right? So. Yeah. I mean, first things, the hybrid work certainly leveled the playing field for workers and for businesses, right? So first, we need to look into how companies now have access to a great wider talent pool that is beyond their geographical locations. Yes. And workers have now remote work roles to choose from, right? And so the bright side of this, we did see that remote work has widened the talent marketplace. That is pretty evident in some of our LinkedIn posting for remote job offerings have actually increased five times during the pandemic. Five times, wow. Yeah, five times. And that's, that's huge, right? Yeah. And in fact, even like in my team, we are rewriting some of our usual JDs, right? You know how it works where you take a JD about a year ago and just do the posting. And now we have to be super thoughtful, right. you know, how we actually put it out there because we do want to be able to capture the talent pool out there and provide opportunities for everyone to be able to kind of like put their hands up for it. And that gives us a lot more diversity to be able to bring in, in the group. And for me, as a business that spans across Asia and global. It is just all upside and it's tremendous opportunity, right? And it is also not surprised that we saw in our survey that 46% of remote work workers are planning to make a move to a new location because they can now re work remotely and it helps them to find the work-life integration that they need. So all these are great outcomes for both businesses and for employees, but 
businesses and business leaders need to then figure out how do they make sure that they are able to attract this talent, make sure that they are able to groom and help individuals work effectively remotely. And so being able to hire from a diverse pool of talent from different nationalities or unrepresented groups is or people who just used to have the desire to move to another big city, but they were, for whatever reasons, unable to do so. Right now, those doors are open. Those expectations from from existing employees are coming true. To be able to really create that hybrid work, we need to think beyond just what is needed for the business, but also things like what governs policies of the organization. Right. How do you make sure that people understand culturally how to work together, given that the social cues have now been a little bit more limited, not being able to spend as much time in person. So even in the skilling aspects, we have to think not just about the technical kind of work skills, but also the soft skills, which I, I learned pretty much very important for my team, especially. Absolutely. Do you want to know how I collaborate with some of the best brands in the world at Asia Tech Podcast? I use Podmetrics. This is the best way to connect to your favorite brands and monetize your podcast. If you are a podcaster, you can sign up now at podmetrics.co and use the referral code Asia Tech Podcast, all one word to get full control of your show's monetization, regardless of your show's size. And if you're a brand and want to collaborate with the Asia Tech Podcast, head over to advertiser.podmetrics.co, it's spelled like it sounds, and sign up now. So I was going to say this, right? I'm getting the sense now that as things do become more hybrid and more remote, and you talked about this, employment opportunities become more global in the sense that your home country matters less than your skills. Do you think this also requires not just changing the JDs, but changing like the mindset around hiring itself? Certainly, uh, Michael. In fact, hiring itself, you know, has always pretty much been placed on I would say human resource or HR personnel to look into it. But I think increasingly we need more of that insights and I would say guidance from business leaders, you know, to work together with their chief human officer to make sure that we are re-looking into how to support employees as as well and recruits as well as we bring them in, right? So attracting the right talent, you need to make sure that people, the talent that you bring in are looking for not just the work that they do, but a big part of the work that they do is so integrated into their life today yeah. that the culture of that workplace is super important, right? Very. So leaders need to kind of think like, how do you provide the opportunity to more diverse talent? But at the same time, you need to think about how to shape a more inclusive workplace culture Absolutely. in today's world. Yeah, full stop. Right. I could not agree with you more on that. I want to ask you about a sort of generational question, right? Not just about the diversity question, but in this new environment, do you see different responses generationally, if that makes sense? And if you do, what is the stat here that we have? 82%, your research says that 82% of Gen Zs are struggling. Are there other groups that are doing this? And if so, like who are they and why are they struggling? Yeah, 82% of Gen Zs are struggling according to our report. And well, if you think about it, right, they are the new entrants to the workforce and pretty much a very overlooked group. Most of them are known to be digital savvy. Right. So, But they are the ones that our research shows have been struggling the most in the past year. 
So just as most baby boomers were the first generation to learn how to work with technology at work, (laughs) the Gen Zs will be the first generation to start their career in a mostly remote working, remote only setting, right? So, you know, when you think about their onboarding, their first few days, it has been really hard for them to stay connected and with their new colleagues, with new team members to understand the context of the business environment. And I think if you look into Asia, where I alluded to earlier, you know, there's high context and also cultural norms like collectivism, where individuals tend to avoid voicing out their struggles as they do their work. And they also tend to prioritize society over themselves. And so the challenges can be really daunting because Mm. they can feel the impact of isolation. They struggle with motivation because they're trying to connect more closely with the business strategy and trying to understand how they contribute. And there's a level of anxiety over career advancements. So as leaders, we need to prioritize this and be keenly aware that this is important to address. Yeah, I want to make an equivalency here. My daughter entered university. So she graduated from high school last year and she Mm -hmm. entered university, you know, at, at the regular time in the fall of last year. And yet she's never been to school. I remember when I was a freshman in college, just like getting in the car and driving to school and unpacking my dorm was so exciting. And also meeting all these new people from all over the country and all over the world and picking my own classes. I can see the same thing. She's lost out on that whole first year, right? She'll probably go physical next year. But I can see the same thing for new joiners in any company. Microsoft included, right? They're like, I have my new job. It's a great job at a great company, but I can't meet my colleagues in person. Does that make sense as well? No, absolutely, uh, Michael. I think this is, I guess, in a way, the kind of like the downside of the experience that the Zen Z really miss out on. Yeah. And so, you know, sometimes I've been pretty reflective during this whole pandemic period, right? And, yeah. and that's why earlier in my introduction, when I just talked about me being a chemistry major, mm. uh, double, actually, I just wondering, like, in the days I used to complain so much being, like, being cooped up in the laboratory, doing all sorts of <laughs> right, right. experiments. Commiserating or, with your other people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And now I just wonder, like, how could these students do it at all it's it's almost like you've got a lot of cheery lessons but probably less practical and we all know that that sometimes that practical in the job or in the moment training is so critical to learning and and many people have just different styles of learning so like neurodiversity and all that if you have studied into it people learn differently some people learn from interacting with others some people learn through purely reading so it has made it challenging for the Zanzis and so I do hope things get better and your daughter do get some parts of her university life being able to interact uh, more. So do I. And look, go ahead. Oh, no, no. I just want to bring up something that was a little bit, I guess, closer to to my heart as well, right? So I I think other than the Zanzis, we do see that during the pandemic, women, parents, and persons with disabilities may also have been disproportionately affected, right? So we did see in our reports that 85% women have childcare responsibilities. Um, Did say that caregiving has somewhat made it difficult for them to attend to work. And one of the things um, people sometimes forget that men are caregivers too. And we saw the same challenges reflected and signaled from 70% of the men who were caregivers. Right. I and my team are very much into accessibility. It's a passion that I have personally. And my team being in modern work, we think a lot about how to really make modern work and how people work and use tools that help them 
right? So in Microsoft, as you may be aware, we built accessibility into our tools, things like live caption, immersive reader, or recording meetings with transcriptions that can really support users with different work styles, different learning styles, or people who simply need more help. Like, for example, for myself, sometimes I feel like after some back-to-back days or meetings, it's easier to read a transcript than to listen in on a video, right? I, I give my ears some rest, right? Right. And also we create in Microsoft what we call the employee resource groups or ERG for short, which are like, which are voluntary and employee-led groups. Example, women at Microsoft or Asians in Microsoft, which basically serves as a platform to foster and support a diverse and inclusive workplace. Of course, likewise, we have provided more caretakers leave. We have increased the number of days for paternal leave in order to support men and women or families who have young children coming into their lives. And also, Basically, like in my team, we talk a lot about this, about how because of caregiving responsibilities, like you have elderly parent or a child with special needs, people should not assume that just because we all work in the same location, say like we all work in Singapore, that we would naturally be all working in the same business hours, right? It could be that today people need to work around their caregiving responsibilities and we are open to that and be able to create a safe environment for people to encourage our employees to say, hey, this is how I would like to segment my days that can work for me. Those are very important, right? So other than the generation, we have just different groups that have also been impacted and we just need to make sure that we talk more about this and co-create solutions with our employees that really resonate and work for them. Yeah, I mean, what you're really talking about is flexibility in a way that hasn't been considered in the past. It's like flexibility writ large and also accessibility writ large. And I think that this remote and hybrid working has really exposed some of these situations that maybe we hadn't considered before. And you're right, like if you only ever meet people at work, right? And you don't Mm -hmm. ever meet them when they're at home because by definition, if they're working from home, you're then meeting them there because you're talking to them there, right? You had previously missed out on what I'll call sort of authenticity. And hybrid working has encouraged and forced people to be more authentic, right? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, you said before, Asia is kind of like high touch and definitely very interpersonal. And yet, from my experience in Japan, you almost never get invited to a Japanese person's home. (laughs) Almost never. But... Right? Almost never. Yeah, but, right, now, right. but now remote work has kind of forced you to be invited into their house. And I don't think most people, again, are comfortable yet with changing the backgrounds and stuff like that. So you're sitting in everybody's living room or bedroom or office, and now they're really authentic and their dog walks by or their kid walks into the room, and now you really know them. And it changes the way you think about that flexibility and accessibility as well, right? I mean, what else do you think changes because of this authenticity? Oh, you know. You were laughing at me. <laughs> Well, work has indeed become more human, actually. For sure. Including little humans, right? Like crying babies and toddlers. Well, I also have my fair share of dog barkings. I I think I see less dogs, but I hear more of them. And then, but I do see a lot of cats still walking across the screens, (laughs) right? So that's uh, pretty interesting. But, you know, I kind of like that in a way. And and that's the up, I, I guess, one of the highlights of working in a hybrid world is that, as you call out, Michael, workers in Asia are just more comfortable, uh, more reserved, I guess, and yeah. to some extent. But now we're seeing that they're becoming more comfortable and they started to work from home. It really provides you a view into the slice of their lives that we don't see before, right? Right, And 
because all of us are in the same, having a sharing the same vulnerabilities and challenges because of this pandemic is actually pulled us much closer together, right? And we inevitably have to bring our whole self to work. In fact, I guess if I recall, I was just talking to one of my managers a few weeks ago that after the last 12 months or so, I think I've met almost most of their spouses, their right. partners, their children, uh, even their parents, right? I was going to say grandma and grandpa as well, yeah. Yeah, they would just come and say hi. And I'm like, okay, I better be better, well behaved in front of the parents of my, right. of my team, right? Yeah, so in a way, when we see our colleagues, right, in front of the ones that they love, you know, you, you see a different aspect of them. And I think it helps me to understand them a little bit more. And while we are really physically apart, we have become emotionally closer, Right, so some of the things I think being able to really use this opportunity to create that inclusive environment, which includes importantly encouraging people to share about their well-being, encouraging people to talk about how they are before we just scoot off and start our meetings is super important, right? I we agree. used to do check-ins when we are in a physical boardroom. But today, somehow, without that physical person in front of you, getting right in front of screens, things just turn automatically very formal. And we almost have to tell ourselves to, to do the informal stuff like we would if we were sitting in front of one another physically. Yeah, I mean, here's the way I look at it. In some cases, you may work with somebody who's just very difficult to get along with. And that's a new thing for them, right? They're frustrated about something and you have no idea what it is. But now through remote and hybrid work, you find out, mm -hmm. you know, in the middle of a meeting, look, give me a few minutes. I've got to go help my grandmother with her insulin. And you're like, oh my God, I didn't realize you were dealing with that on a day-to-day -day basis. And it changes your perception, I think, of your colleagues for the better, I think, in most exactly. cases, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. No, it, it does. It does. It makes sense. And uh, my God, actually, you know, increasingly, you know, we always say, hey, let's try to have a work-life balance. But right. the reality is about work-life integration right now, right? Like work and life doesn't clearly have the, the same way of the way we used to segment it in a business day, hours, you know. And I think we also start seeing that while productivity rates have increased, but it does come at a hu human cost as well, right? Because yep. We are just powering through back-to-back -back meetings right now. We are not necessarily taking breaks. And so when it comes to well-being, a, a topic that I pretty much champion in, in the team that I lead and also across Asia mm -hmm. is one of the key, key things we, we as leaders want to make sure that we start the tone, right? So there are many ways that we can do it. One of the ways like in Microsoft, we started to do that and that's a little bit on behavior change and mindset change coupled with leveraging on technology to help us, right? So we have seen through our reports as well that because we're having more and more back-to-back -back meetings today, there is a increased activity of beta waves in our brains. These are the signals that are associated with stress, right? right? So in other words, we're just accumulating stress if our workers do not take breaks in between meetings and just keep going, right? So while there are light moments as a result of hybrid work pulling people closer, but it has also resulted in, it could also result in an overworked and exhausted workforce if we are not careful. And to make sure that employees and even managers can thrive at work and life, we really need to take care of ourselves first and be aware of our own well-being before we can help others and our customers and our partners, right? Absolutely.
Look, this has been an incredible conversation in which I've learned a ton of stuff, actually. But before I let you go, I want to just cover one more thing with you. Given the evolving environment, right, because it's changing, it's not fixed yet. What are some of the recommendations that, based on the studies, actually, that we've done, that we can give to business leaders? Well, I guess, as you mentioned, it's evolving, right? So as, right. as of now, a couple of recommendations, I would say, you know, I spoke about, or we spoke about how employees are reevaluating priorities and more and more looking for a change. And we could see that businesses could lose, you know, an unprecedented number of employees, which yeah. could present a challenge for onboarding, putting pressure on HR. And so there is a need to rethink work, hybrid work policies. And as I, as we spend a lot of time talking about, you know, making sure we are taking care of multi generations and different demographics in a in a workplace environment. So I would say business leaders need to really empower people with extreme flexibility, and that must come with a plan that encompasses policy, the physical environment, as well as leveraging on technology. Yeah. And we need to invest in space and technology that really helps to bridge that physical and digital world divide. And in terms of well-being, we can't just keep power tr- powering through in this way. We need to pay attention to combat digital exhaustion and leveraging technology to help us to do that. A good example would be how recently in our Outlook settings, we allow individuals or organizations to be able to shave off like five to 10 minutes in every meeting so that you you have that space to just take a mental break before you hop off to your next meeting. Right. And then the part about rebuilding social capital, the network, building the network, ensuring that we help our team to feel increased team bonding and, and help them to maintain and, and create a network is super important. And all in all, I think there is a big impetus, right, to rethink employee experience because for business leaders, you are going to be competing for the best and the most diverse talent across the world. Yeah, I mean, that's perfect, right? That's really perfect. Look, this was fabulous for me. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I really want to thank Rosalind Quek, the GM Modern Workplace at Microsoft Asia, excuse me, for coming in and doing this. You were awesome. Thank you, Michael. I'm so happy to chat with you and thanks for the opportunity. And I do hope I don't need to send you that. I don't need to send the water bot cooler to you. Guaranteed. You don't have to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Have a good day. Thank you. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.